this podcast. My hat bad words because my daddy says words like sh, damn, and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where this dad talks about life, kids, and stuff. I'm your host, Joe Shaw. On the show today, we have author, comedian, and father, James Breakwell, on the show. Yes, he is on to talk about his newest book, Bare Minimum Parenting. If you want to know the best advice for how to get your kids to sleep, to eat, to respect your authority, this may not be the book for you. But if you are looking for a good, lighthearted, best practices book, then this is the one you're going to want to pick up. Uh, I cover a lot of different aspects of the book with James, a little bit more about his personal life and what you can look forward to moving forward from James himself. So you're definitely going to want to check it out. And if you are interested in the book itself, we have provided the link in the show notes and on the website. And I know that most people know this at the end of the show, but I do want to go ahead and put it in here that if you are a dad and you want to have your story told, or if you know of somebody that wants to have their story told, please feel free to reach out to us. You can The easiest way to do it is going to detoxpodcast.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast.com, where you can contact us. We are at Detox Podcast on all social media. And you can also send us an email, detoxpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is comedian, author, dad extraordinaire, Mr. James Breakwell. James, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So for those that do not know James, he is a professional comedy writer and amateur father of four girls ages seven and under. His Twitter account, at Exploding Unicorn, that's with an X, not E-X, has more than one million followers. Are those real or are they Russian bots? Oh, they're real. They've been purging all the <laughs> Russian bots off Twitter, and I'm still standing, <laughs> much to my great relief. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So he's got them. They're real. They check in with him daily as you fail as a parent and a human being. That sounds like a joke that was written. Uh, your jokes have been featured by USA Today, US Magazine, DailyMail.com. Metro.co.uk, Huffington Post, yada, 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 lots of people. Your articles have appeared in Reader's Digest, The Federalist, and Ask Men, and for the first time ever, the Detox Podcast. So this is the, the crowning achievement right here. This yeah. is what I've been working my way towards. Right, right, right. I mean, you you did all of that, and now here you are. So yes. uh, we are so we we are nothing if not like uh, Oprah, the climax of everyone's <laughs> talk show career. Yeah, I hope I hope so, man. Oprah mentions you once to sell a million books, so I expect I a similar result tonight. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, very cool. Well, first thing I want to kind of dig into, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your book, which his book, which is it. Uh, so we're recording this before your release date, but it will be released 
after your release date. So you can go pick up his book, Bare Minimum Parenting. It's on sale now wherever books are sold, which is uh, fewer and fewer places these days, brick and mortar, but uh, lots of places online. So you can definitely pick that up. And uh, we'll put it in the show notes that way you can have a direct link and get it. And where, if they want to get it, what do you recommend? Is there a specific uh, website that you recommend? You know, I know lots of people go to Amazon, but I'm just curious about your take. I, uh, I, I it works out the same for me every place. It's always great if you can support local indie bookstores. I know there's one in Lafayette, Indiana that that helped me out quite a bit called Main Street Books, and that's and, and that's a great place to go. But yeah, any anywhere else too, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, just whatever will get the, get your hands on these books. That is that is the key. Buy as many as you can. Don't be afraid to buy a dozen or more. The more you get, the the better they are. They work together. A cumulative effect. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, much like uh, the walkers on The Walking Dead, you know, uh, just one doesn't do much. But if you get a bunch of them together, then they can uh, do a lot of damage. There you go. It's an excellent analogy, except <laughs> rather than, you know, tearing you apart limb for limb, it'll just help you raise your kids better. So, you know, right. more exactly. or less the same. Yeah, <laughs> more or less the same. Uh, let's start with uh, a question we like to give some of our dads here. Uh, what do you think makes a good dad? I think... You know, showing up and keeping your kids alive. Those are those are the big ones. And in my <laughs> literally book, I, bare minimum parenting. <laughs> yeah, but in the book, I kind of go through three benchmarks of successful parenting: raising a kid who can uh, support themselves, become self sufficient, uh, isn't a social deviant. You know, they don't end up in prison or chased by an angry mob, and then they don't blame you for everything that's wrong in their life. I think if you can pull off those three things, you're a pretty good dad. Right. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Now, what? Uh, what I've been curious about, because I have uh, followed you on Twitter for a while, and so uh, your jokes are funny, so that's uh, you know shameless plug for you. But uh, <laughs> what what drove you to start sharing these day to day interactions with your kids and your wife online? I always just kind of go for material with what's around me. I mean, I've been writing from before I had kids, and back then I just kind of wrote about the the random adventures of a twenty-something, which is kind of the opposite of an adventure. And then you know we had one kid, then two kids, and three kids, then four kids, and they gradually just took over my Twitter feed and everything else. And that's that's what people really <laughs> responded to. That's what I was getting the numbers on. Is like, okay, people don't like me that much. They like my kids, so I will I will zero in on this, and this is what I will give them. And and that's how we got to the point today where it's pretty much all kids all the time. Very nice. Very nice. I like that. So why this specific book and why is now the right time for it? There are just so many books out there that tell you how to overachieve uh, to raise your kid. All these life hacks to squeeze more hours out of the day, to push your kid a little harder, get them a little bit of extra help, get them that extra boost to be ahead of everybody else. I just sit back and look at it. It's like, I, th I think we're stressing out over the wrong things. I think right. once you become an adult, we just kind of average out. We're more or less mediocre. You can't look at some 40-year-old and say, boy, I bet I bet his mom breastfed him or bottle fed him. Or I bet he had the right brand of stroller or the wrong brand or you know, had parents who stayed home or parents who sent him to daycare. You can't tell. You just can't. I don't think it makes a difference. But yet, if you look at us now, when we have small kids, we stress out like each of those decisions is a matter of life and death. So I wanted to offer a counterpoint to that. I think if we all end up okay, whether our parents overachieve or they underachieve, I wanted to see what would happen. How could you get a kid to be reasonably decent, kind of with those three benchmarks I gave you earlier, but by doing as little as possible, getting there in the easiest way you could, the most stress-free, relaxing way. And I kind of accidentally proved a point by the end of the book. I kind of set out just to write jokes. And by the end, I realized, holy cow, I think if you if you just take a step back and relax and forgive yourself and don't stress out about everything, I think not only are you uh, are you a, a more relaxed parent, I think you're a better parent. I think long term, that's actually better for your kids. And I think you will come out with better children if you read this one book than if you read the hundred other parenting books that tell you to do the opposite of everything I said in this book. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I agree. And I think that's one of the really endearing themes of the book. I just finished it myself uh, today and it, it was really a humbling experience. You know, it's funny. It gives you a moment to, to multiple moments to laugh literally out loud. And, but it also allows you to recalibrate and kind of reset and go, all right, maybe I am taking a lot of these things too seriously. Maybe not everything is as serious as I make it out to be, but it's, it's hard. Like you, like you pointed out a second ago, it's hard to do that in today's climate because of the fact that we're so like, this is the right way to do it. Or, or you, you're wrong. This is the right way to do it. Or, you know, there's a study every day. There's, there's, you know, everybody's got an opinion and it's, you know, given without ask, as I like to say. (laughs) And, and, and that's one of the things that it, it's really nice to have a book like this. And, and that kind of leads me to another question in this kind of tumultuous climate where everybody's got an opinion and, you know, not even talking about politics, but a lot of people are so kind of at each other's throats on every single issue they can possibly get on, you know, a side, pick a side on. Do you think that people like myself are viewing your book as a, as a chance to, to exhale, to kind of say, all right, let's, let's, let's simmer down a bit. Or do you think, or are you, the reactions you're seeing people kind of using this as another point to draw lines in the sand and, and start attacking and attacking parts of your book apart? Well, I uh, so far I have a very, very limited sample size. Basically, I know what publishers <laughs> think as they bid for foreign rights, and I know what you think, and that's about it. Right. <laughs> Although we did, uh, we, we published an advanced section of just 500 words on this website. It was a website for free-range kids, you know, kind of a relaxed style of parenting. So I thought, oh, these are my people. And that line got drawn really quick. People just took it to the extreme. It's like, oh, so since you do the bare minimum, so I should just beat my kid and not feed him, huh? And it's like, no, that's, that's really not what this book is about. I think right. this book assumes a basic level of human decency. I shouldn't have to tell you, don't beat your kid, you know, don't light them on fire. Like a certain level of parenting aptitude is assumed. What this is really, really for is that line between, okay, I'm a normal parent and okay, I'm a berserker, you know, overachieving helicopter parent doing every single thing I can for my kid. And there's a lot of gray area in between. And if you really enjoy that, if like, if if obsessing over your kid is what brings your life meaning and you're doing what you want to do, I'm not going to stop you. That's great. If that's right for your family, okay. Okay. But I think there are a lot of people who are doing that obsessing against their will. They're, they're doing that overachieving because they see everybody else doing it. And they're afraid if they take a step back, they're going to look like a bad parent. And what this book does is say, you know what? You parent how you want to parent. And if you want to relax and take a deep breath and not sign your kid up for every extracurricular activity, and if you want to let your kid watch TV and do all these other things, that's great. I 100% give you permission and screw everybody who judges you. You are doing just fine. And your kid is going to turn out just as well as all those overachieving achieving parents kids if not better right (laughs) yeah it's it's very nice to have something like this that is just it's there you know i was reading uh what was it there was one one part of the book where it was you know there's there's a lot of comedy in the book but there's also a lot of very poignant moments as well you know like you said it, it assumes a certain level of decency for parenting it's like all right come on we all know the basics we all know what we're supposed to do don't get bent out of shape because of you know this that and the other it is you know a lot of these are jokes and it's just like come on let's let's be realistic but the fact that you know uh, it was oh, oh that's what it was it was talking about the chapter of subtraction by multiplication and you oh. talked about having 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 multiple kids and uh, i know you spoke about this on on twitter last night as well but 
you've been kind of going chapter by chapter online about your book and kind of giving some backstory, which has been awesome. But what I really appreciate about that book has been like you talk about it's great to have more kids because they'll take care of themselves they'll fend for themselves and uh, you don't have to entertain them and uh, i have two kids and i can speak uh, uh speak truth to that that they uh entertain themselves and i feel i gained about 25 percent more energy when they started <laughs> entertaining themselves and i didn't have to be the sole court jester in my house and, yes and but but it's something that I appreciate. You have a moment where you talk about only children. That's that's the point that I'm driving at. And you you specifically I'm trying to pull up the quote here, but you specifically talk about the fact that, you know, if you want to have only one child and, you know, there's additional reasons or, or what have you, then that's fine. And you're not saying that you're a bad parent because you only had one child. But the fact that you said only children are great at getting along with adults because that's who they interact with at home. But only children sometimes find interacting with other kids challenging in their own home. An only child is the center of the universe. They never have to share toys or compete for attention. But other kids won't treat your child that way. Narcissism isn't a team sport. And so there's humor in that, but there's some true powerful statement in that. And I just kind of wanted you to kind of talk through a bit about what kind of drove you to, to lay that out. Obviously, you have multiple children. You have four daughters and you come from a family of seven. But kind of speak a little bit more to that because it was very powerful and it's something that I have seen both as a kid and as a parent with with some only children. Yeah, and there are a lot. I mean, who am I to judge an entire class of people? I mean, there right. there are great only children out there. Uh, but in my experience and just anecdotally, it seems like only children they, they seem like they grow up faster because they're they're used to talking to adults. Uh, right. But then the second you leave the room, they're the ones fighting with your kids because they've never had to share. And uh, I think there's a line that you know my kids they fight all the time, but they're stuck in the same family. You can you can't take your ball and go home. Like they're there and they have to work out these disputes one way or the other because at the end of the day they're family. And I I think that's an advantage that only kids don't have. They don't have anybody to have it out with. If they have a falling out with somebody, they might not see that kid again. Uh, so they're, they're at a bit of a disadvantage to just basically figure out how unfair life is and how to kind of be one of a multitude rather than being the center of the world. So so I think it is an adjustment for a lot of them. Hey, you know, only I, I know lots of only children as adults who are great people. At the same time, I think they would agree with you that as a child, that can certainly be challenging. And it's definitely a challenge for the parents because you end up, you know, you always Always have to have a friend over, and a friend is always more work than your own kid. You can't right. you can't discipline them like your own kid. You got to be on your best behavior. You got to entertain them. It's just a it's a huge amount of work. So I'm a big fan of multiple kids. If you want one kid, that's great. That's fine. Just don't only have one child because you think it's less work. Have it for some other great reason, uh, but less work shouldn't be one of them. Right. And one of the points that I really appreciate in your book is you talked about the hardest the hardest transition is from zero kids to one kid. And yes. that is so <laughs> true, especially now when people are saying, oh, well, now you're having a kid, so you've got to get the best stuff. And I, I appreciated your age breakdown as far as the, the bare minimum parenting, where you talk about teen years, early 20s, late 20s, 30s, 40s. <laughs> I think you even threw 50s in there. Oh, yes. If you're <laughs> an, an act of God. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it happens, and it, it's kind of a curve. When you, if you have kids really young, you've got all the energy and none of the money, and then there's right. kind of a peak where you have, you know, as you go, you have less energy but more money, and then at the end of your life, you might not have energy or money. You might be out of both. Uh, so, <laughs> but, so there are advantages to each. But I, I, what it was really in response to is there's some people like well, we're just not ready for having a kid, and there is no such thing. You will never have enough money for a kid. You will never have enough experience. Never enough energy. Never enough time. But generation after generation for hundreds of thousands of years, humans just make it work. You rise to the occasion. We always have and we always will. So if you're hesitating out there until you get that next big promotion or until you finish that big trip to Europe or you buy the bigger house, don't wait. I mean, if it's not the right time for you for some other reason, that's fine. But if it's not the right time for some material materialistic reason like that, I would throw out that reasoning. You really don't want to. And, and I'm a big fan of younger rather than older. I mean, the math works out differently for everybody else's family. But you don't want to be the, you know, the 50 or 60 year old with a kindergartner. That just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a big burden for everybody. But, you know, in mixed families and things like that, you end up with situations like that where grandma or grandpa is raising the kid. It happens and they're raised great and their parents love them. But I think if you had a choice, that's probably not the ideal situation to be in. I think overall, you're better off to be younger with less money uh, and have the kids. I think the lack of money will never will never hurt you too bad. Right. Exactly. Uh, I had so my wife and I, we started having kids kind of how old was that? I was 27 when my daughter was born. So it's that it unfortunately was in that peak where it was like, oh, you have uh, about the right amount of energy, a little bit less, but you have too much money. So there were definitely a few things that we got sucked into buying top of the line mm -hmm. style because it was like, oh, well, you know, we want our kid to have the best. And then our son came along and we're like, you know what? I think we are fine. I think yeah. uh, we're okay. Isn't it amazing how quickly that money disappears? It's like, oh, we finally have enough money for our kid. And then instead of buying a regular stroller, you buy the super duper stroller and that right. money's gone. Like you didn't right. gain any ground. No. You've got the, the running jogger and it also is a car seat and it also <laughs> like protects you from the wind and the sun and the rain. And it also, also a jet fighter and all that, right. a transformer, all that good stuff. Take you back to 1955, whatever. <laughs> Actually, if it could, it might be worth the investment. Maybe. Um, yeah. Only that. <laughs> maybe. Uh, one, one, another question I wanted to ask you was, how does this book differ from your previous book? This book actually kind of proved a point. I mean, the, the other book, it was fun, but it didn't necessarily have a huge overarching argument other than the fact that parents are a lot tougher than you give them, yourselves credit for. And you can handle yourself in any situation, including the zombie apocalypse. I, I think that raising a kid is hard no matter where you are. And if you add zombies to the situation, it might be – your solutions might be a little different, but you can still handle them. And I guess in that sense, the, the new book is the same. I'm saying you're going to overcome this stuff, but now the challenges aren't undead monsters. They're other parents, but you know, which might even be hard to deal with you know oh, it's the yes. pta parent shaming and the internet shaming and and all that kind of stuff all this pressure coming in to have you always do the best and be the best and put your kid first and and you can put your kid first i think without losing your entire life into them uh, that if there was one takeaway from this i think it's not bad to not always have your kid be the center of the universe all the time it's okay for them to be a member of the family and not the entire family and i think that would be so much better for kids if they could accept that fact they're part of a team they're not the team Right. And that uh, for those uh, that were wondering, the name of James's first book is called Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. That has 135 star ratings on Amazon. So you should check it out. We'll also put that on the in the show notes as well for those that want to pick up both books in one swoop. So we had uh, 
a couple of questions that people wanted to know. So we've got, we used to have a segment on the show called Ask the Dads, and people were able to email us. Uh, they still are, I, I should say. They're still able to email us and ask the dads question at detoxpodcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. Any questions that they may have, serious questions, maybe funny ones, whatever, and then we kind of are breaking them down. So I've got a couple questions. I've got uh, one acid ads question that I wanted to uh, get your take on, and then also one question that people wanted to direct specifically at you. Uh, so this comes from, and this is assuming you're game with it. I just don't. Yeah, go it for in. it. Yeah, but... All right, right, right. Everything is off limits. This interview is censored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this comes from Michael D. Britt on Instagram, and he wrote. Do you ever feel guilty if you're not constantly giving your child attention because you're trying to quote unquote recharge? I uh, I don't feel a lot of parental guilt. Maybe that makes me a bad parent, <laughs> but it did it did give me the, fe- the the fuel to write this book. I mean, it's basically you're never gonna feel like you do enough. You have to just accept that that feeling will never go away. You'll always feel like you should be doing more. Like the other day, so I I, I took the day off. Everything I didn't write anything. I didn't do anything except minimal, you know, Twitter updates. And it took my kids to the museum all day with the kids from open to close at this museum. And then we got home later, and I had to go and get some work done for the day. And my kids are like, "Why don't you play Xbox with us? You never play with us." It's like wait a minute, wait a minute. I just spent literally the entire day with you. And I just, I think that's, that's very much the parenting experience. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Never mind everything we just did an hour ago. So no, I don't feel a ton of guilt because, uh, you know, kids very much live in the moment. Uh, they will, they will forget what you did before. And honestly, long-term, I mean, you might spend $10,000 going to Disneyland or you might spend two bucks taking them through the drive through car wash. And it's a toss up, which one they're going to remember more. I think they're easier to please than we think. And we just have to not take their uh their 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 seating of guilt quite so seriously it, it can be controlled right uh my the trip to the car wash the five dollar car wash is as good as going to disney world right now to my daughter yes. so uh, but That's don't awesome. you dare go to the car wash without her Ooh, Ooh. she'll know She'll see it clean and go, who went to the car wash? <laughs> and she will. She has made us go back to the car wash. Well, she hasn't made us, but we decided uh, it's cheaper than uh, doing something else. So we went back to the car wash, did the experience again, and it was uh, <laughs> uh, a lot easier. But you're right. You know, I, I was thinking about the fact when you're talking about going and going to the museum and then then they were complaining that you never do anything with them. And I was thinking last weekend, my daughter wanted a lot of outdoor time and wanted, you know, I, I want to spend some time with you and you and me and your brother and uh, her brother, not my brother, but, uh, <laughs> um, and have us all have some outside time. My wife was doing something with my uh, sister-in-law who is expecting and due in December. And so they were kind of going through baby clothes. So I took the kids. I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's go to the park. Let's walk around the neighborhood. Let's do a lot of this outdoor time. Let's play. They've got one of those like uh, Flintstone carts, like mm-hmm. Flintstone cars, and so we're playing out and doing all this. And it was great. And it was time to come back in. And she was like, no, we never do anything. I'm like, we've literally spent all day outside. Like, what are you talking about? I think that's kind of the universal parenting experience. And I mean, even <laughs> even adults have a hard time being, you know, grateful with our adult brain. So kids, it's it's a lost cause. They just they it's in and out in a second. They're always living the moment. So we have to you have to not judge yourself by their emotional standards. You have to be able to divorce yourself from that because they'll they'll manipulate you to their advantage. I mean, that's that's how they've evolved. That's how they get the resources they need to survive. That's how one sibling ends up taller than the rest by getting all that precious food so you just gotta you you gotta keep it under control 
speaking about food, one article that you had written on your website, which is it explodingunicorn.com? Yeah, explodingunicorn.com. Yeah, it's, and you can get there with an E or an X. It's both spellings go there. I, I oh. splurged for two URLs. I'm, I'm big time now. Well, that's because uh, of what I'm about to say. You didn't spend money on food for a while for your kid. Or at least that's what you said on the article that uh, you said, food is cheap if daycare provides it. I don't know exactly how much I've spent on my kids so far, but it's a lot. Uh, but it isn't a lot. My daughters don't eat food. During my oldest daughter's toddler years, I thought she was eating at daycare, and the staff at daycare thought she was eating at home. But it turned out she refused all forms of sustenance, yet she somehow still hit her target weight and is now on pace to be taller than my wife. So there you go. I think you uh, you were allowed to splurge on the extra URL. Yeah. But talk us through that. What uh, What's the backstory on that? I mean, that that is the entire story. For for like a year, we thought she was eating at preschool, and, and they thought she was eating at home. She wasn't eating it either. But like we've repeated that pattern with each of our kids. We're down to the last <laughs> couple. I mean, my six-year-old still doesn't eat. She didn't eat dinner tonight. She sat there and refused to eat. She's like, can I just go to bed? Like, you need food to stay alive. Right. But they, they just, if it's not to their exact taste, if it's not macaroni and cheese or pizza, they'd rather go to sleep. I just... I won't give in because I've seen the kid. I've seen that kid who he goes to like a Boy Scout camp out and he has to have macaroni and cheese and pizza. Like I can't have my kids be that kid. It's fine if they want to go hungry, but I'm not going to give them just a special meal every time or else the terrorists win. So I've got to, I've got to hold off on that. So, but yeah, they, we go through this battle all the time. So now the, the kid in that, my oldest one, who was the first one to go through that process, she's our best eater now. She's going through a growth spurt. And actually at the, it's funny that you mentioned the heights because at the museum, they had this exhibit where it helps you predict how tall you're going to be. And it did yet just yesterday predicted that she's going to be three inches taller than my wife. So, so that, but everything in that, in that article from however many years ago was still true that the youngest still don't eat and they all still grow somehow, somehow life just finds a way. Right. Uh, life uh, finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. If my wife ever listens to that, she's going to be so embarrassed that I brought out the Jeff Goldblum impression. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could call it an impression. I don't think it was that good. But, you know, attempt. But, uh, but no, I think, it, like, to your point, it <laughs> you have to you have to stand your ground, especially on food. I remember we recently, we were doing a lot of, like, you know, my wife was traveling for work. We were doing different stuff. We had different engagements. We did kind of some shortcut dinners, as I call them, which is either, you know, restaurant, fast food, throwing something together last minute, not putting a lot of effort into it. And we did that. And you slip into that groove of doing it too long. And then the other night I made stir fry and I got all the ingredients and, you know, it didn't take long. I was excited. My daughter was like, I'm not eating stir fry. How about we just go pick up McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> even my wife was like, uh, you know, maybe. And I went, No. No, I made this food. You can eat it or not, but this is what's for dinner. And I, you know, made a big deal out of it. And then the last, you know, several nights after that, when we were cooking dinner, not a word, not a request to go anywhere. It was like, oh, this is dinner. This is what we're doing. And and you're right. But you give in that one time, you lose all uh, all credit all cred yes. cred credibility. You, you, you really do. And it, it's funny though. And I mentioned this in the book that you know, on the parenting wars now, like making your kid eat your food is controversial now. Like, how dare you make them sit there and finish their food? This is traumatic. This is child abuse. Like, I've, I've heard these things on the internet. 
I'm like, that, that's insane. I mean, at some point, my child has to eat whether they want to or not. I don't care if they're willingly charging starvation. Like, I will not let them choose that option. They've got to eat right. something. So I don't care if they have to sit there two hours. We're going we're gonna to get something out of their throats. And I'm sure that's going to be one of the sections that people rail against. Uh, but I don't, I don't believe any child psychologist is like, you know what? Kids don't need food. I think they do. I don't think that should be a controversial statement in 2018. Right. Uh, children <laughs> don't know what's best for them. They make short-sighted decisions based solely on flavor. So yeah, yep. I'm going to make my kids eat. Maybe that makes me a monster, but so be it. Right. One of the, uh, I guess you could call it parenting hack, parenting tip, whatever you want to call it, that we've done with my daughter when she's gotten in the scenario of, I don't want to eat anymore. I just want to get down because she wants to get down and play or she wants to get down and do something else. So we've made a point to say, if you don't want to eat anymore, that's fine. But you need to stay in your seat until we're all done eating. And invariably, she'll get to talking. She'll be telling us about her day or commenting on something else. And she'll end up eating the rest of her food, just idly picking at it. Just idly picking at it. Yeah. My kids are more stubborn than that. If we make them stay in their seats, they just scream so we can't hear the TV. (laughs) They sit there (laughs) babbling themselves. So it's, you know, I wrote the book on this, but I I don't have any clear solutions either. It's it's an everyday battle at my house. I think in there I said I I finished that entire chapter while waiting for my my kids to finish their meal. And it's not that much of an exaggeration. It's amazing how many man hours are wasted at the table. But you know what? All four kids are still alive. So I must be doing something right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, now, speaking of people that are going to rail against something you say or do, I know that was it. I don't know if it was exactly in 2015 or 2016 or exactly when it was, but I know that you had posted a photo of your kids and the pet pig in the car with a comment that the uh, pig, wait, no. Yeah, the pig like pooped, uh, oh, where was it? Right after this picture, the pig pooped 3,000 times. Cuteness never lasts because it was your daughter's and the pet pig. And everybody got on to you because of the fact that you like one of your kids wasn't rear facing. Your kids are wearing puffy coats like all this, all this, that and the other. And they and back to what we were talking about, about people taking sides and, and thinking they know this, you know, knowing parenting best. How did you well, I know a little bit of how you navigated it, but I want you to talk talk us through your kind of journey through that about posting that seeing the reactions and how you decided to come out and address it and then kind of what what's happened since then I uh, well at first I was just stunned by the reaction because it wasn't a, you know they, they got angry because the type of coats they were wearing in there mostly and everything in that picture was perfectly legal it was there was nothing in there that a police officer would pull us over for and have a ticket this was just the super moms and dads having meltdowns about you know scary internet videos they'd seen and I won't right. I won't argue the technical side because honestly I think the mob was wrong in this point in this point I mean we all we all make what we think is the best uh, the best decision for our kids it's not like I'm purposely putting them in danger but yeah they they were freaking out. And it was uh, we were having a late Christmas at my parents' house. I had several beers, and I was like, "Hey, this is this is crazy, guys. I I hear what you're saying. I don't care. Let's all chill out." And right. that is the wrong thing to say to an angry mob. And oh my God, did they go ballistic? They were furious. And so that, that agitated me. I ended up blocking a bunch of people. I almost never block people. It's like one of those things. It's like, I'm putting out this comedy for free. This is a site for laid back parents to de-stress and have a laugh. And if you're going to come in here with unwanted parenting advice after I tell you it's unwanted, 
you're gone. I mean, there's no, there's no reason I have no legal obligation to entertain you. So that night I was pretty irritated and like one or two in the morning, you know, in this hard bed at my parents' house, I couldn't sleep. And I woke up and I wrote an entire article on my phone. I'm pretty proud of that article still. I just, I wrote an article about how nuts it was that everybody was telling me everything I was doing wrong and I was going to kill my kids, but you know what? Somehow we're still alive. We're doing things. I mean, when I was a kid, I was out of a car seat by the time I was two. And the bad parent in the neighborhood was the one who let her kid ride around on the hood of her car holding onto the windshield wipers. Like, this is a true story. This is what it was like growing up in (laughs) Iowa. So when I see, like, an eight-year-old in my car still buckled into her car seat, in my mind, like, I'm ridiculously safety conscious. Like, anymore, it seems like you have to have kids in their car seat till they're, like, 18. So I wrote this article, but by then I knew the game. I, I, I was aware of the sides. I knew the reaction it would get, and I posted it and sure enough the the car seat nazis just went nuts a second time but this time i was ready for it and uh here's what you should do if you don't like something on the internet if you don't like something on the internet you should scroll by it and it will disappear nobody will notice it what you shouldn't do is start a 2000 comment long flame war because that just gives it more attention that was probably the most read article i've ever written just because of everybody screaming at me i mean there were people writing articles about the backlash to my article like in the uk like that's how far this thing spread yeah that's where i pulled the article from (laughs) yeah and you know what at that point i didn't read any of the comments i did not read a single one of those 2000 comments because i had this epiphany it's like you know what no matter how mad they get me get at me they can't stop me i'm not doing anything wrong there's no challenge flag or booth review i am the final authority over my kids and uh they're not in danger they're doing just fine and i think that uh that really bothered a lot of people that was kind of my aha moment about parent shaming that in a very physical literal sense they can't stop you all they can do is make you mad and if you don't let them make you mad they have no power over you so that's that's where that chapter came from in the book it's good. I like it. Uh, and I want to point out one of my favorite follow-ups. I was reading the book, and then I went online to to pull some additional research. And I loved your article on your Exploding Unicorn website, Your new the parking lot rule for obnoxiously perfect parents. That was just <laughs> – it's so true. And so for those that don't know, I'll just go ahead and read what you wrote, which is uh, – the internet needs a guideline for deciding when to butt in with unwanted parenting advice. James has it. It's called the parking lot rule. If you wouldn't say it to a stranger in a parking lot outside Kroger or Walmart, you shouldn't say it to a stranger on the internet. Some people on Facebook might never talk again. And that is so true because how many times – it's just – oh, it's just – I'm getting irritated just thinking about how <laughs> so many people are like – you know. The coats your kids are wearing are going to kill them. Or, you know, you shouldn't be posting. Like, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Pink. Pink was making dinner once. And she posted on Twitter that she was cooking dinner. She had her daughter in a baby carrier. And she was doing something on the stove. And she had some kind of comment about, like, mom life is the best. Like, something like that. And the everybody said, well, you're a terrible mom because they're so close to the stove. And how dare you? They're probably going to fall on it and burn themselves and kill themselves. It's like, all right, let's 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 stop. Let's let's just simmer down for a second. Yeah, yeah, this is advice nobody would ever give you in real life. It really no. is kind of yeah. That's that's what the whole point of the parking lot rule. You see somebody doing a parenting thing you don't like in real life, and you just mind your own business and you keep walking. Like unless they're actively setting their child on fire, you're not going to intervene. So you have a really good sense of like, boy, I'm going to be putting myself at risk if I intervene here. So I'm only going to do if it's actually serious. And you're not going to intervene over how somebody buckles their kids into the car seat or whether they're wearing coats or anything else. Yeah, I wish we would we would adhere to that rule more. But yeah, on the internet, people are just 
just nuts with the unwanted advice. And they really like, I had one lady. So I blocked her after the initial wave. And she messaged me like four or five months later on Instagram on a different platform. And she's like, man, I, I didn't know why I wasn't seeing your, uh, your, your uh, post. And I realized I was blocked. And the only thing I could think of was that car seat thing. But I'm just trying to save your, like, your kid's life. And here's why. And I had to block her on a second platform. It's oh like, and here's God. the crazy part. Like in her head, in her story, she's the hero. Like right. my kids are in epic danger. She's rushing through to save them from this terrible parent. It's like, no, you're the villain. You're just, right. you're this obnoxious troll on the internet harassing somebody who's just doing their job as a parent. And at no stage on any platform have I asked for your advice. But yeah, there are just some people who don't understand that. They just cannot get it through their heads that we don't need their advice. And I say this as somebody who wrote an entire book of unwanted advice, but you have to, <laughs> you have to opt in. You have to buy the book. So I feel like you're giving me permission to give you advice at that point. Right. Absolutely. And I really, yeah, like you said, like people, people just assume that you're choosing to do harm to your kids or that you don't know any better. And that if they tell you, you'll go, you know what? I really didn't realize that my kids were in danger. Thank you. Uh, this will never happen again. But I mean, no, like that, it's just, it's not like you said, unless you're actively like tossing them into a trunk, setting them on fire, abandoning them in the middle of a parking lot. I mean, these are obvious stuff that it's like, all right, you need to intervene for. But uh, but nobody, to your point, what you said, nobody purposely chooses the worst options for their kids. Most parents weigh the pros and cons and make the best choices for their families, even if it's not the best one for yours. Yes. Well, what, what do you know? You're just a guy who's about to get another round of hate mail. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I didn't, the hate mail wasn't so bad from that second one. But by then, I've I've gotten very good at screening. Like, if you send me a message and like you start with a compliment and there's a but, like I I literally stop reading at the but. <laughs> just, that's, that's how I've dealt with parent shaming because I've realized if these comments get through to me, they bother me. I know I'll say it doesn't bother me, but it'll irritate me for the rest of the day, and I'll brood on it. And I've realized you can't change anybody's mind on the internet, so you've won. So if I just right. like I'm aware that this is there but i'm not even going to read it like that gives me the power over it and then it, it does not bother me at all you have no idea how much pleasure i take in not reading somebody's three thousand word ranch like well this looks long and angry delete and i just move on with my day <laughs> oh that is fantastic uh now, I did want to shift gears a little bit to an ask the dads question that we did have emailed to us so it was this is from uh New listener, but enthusiastic listener, Michael Britt. So I want to thank you, Michael, for your kind words. You've been emailing us. But your question, let me pull this here. Ah, he said, he's been in his stepdaughter's life for a little over a year now. So he kind of sort of, but not really, has that part of parenting figured out. But he said he's never taken care of a newborn before. And he said, while he's so excited for the baby to get here in about eight-ish weeks, he's also... Oh, probably by the time uh, this comes out, it'll be about four-ish weeks uh, or maybe two-ish weeks. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I'm a dad. I'm not doing math. Uh, <laughs> I'm also getting pretty nervous. I would love to hear some tips and advice for taking care of a baby that you wish you could go back and tell yourself as a new dad. Thanks again. So what is some advice you would give Michael? I, I don't have any regrets about how I raise my kids as babies. I, I, I really don't. And again, this is... I, I would definitely stay off the internet at that early stage because everything is going to kill your kid. They're going to tell you everything you do is wrong. And I, I just think babies are more durable. Now, they're the least durable of all the child stages, but they somehow make it out of it. So just yes. Yes. <laughs> support the head. You know, don't drop them or anything, and, and you're going to be just fine. And put food in them. Food goes in one end and poop comes out the other end. And that's right. all there is to it. You don't realize they are... 
Like each stage is less work than the one after it up until they can give themselves baths. That's the turning point. But like, you know, my wife is like, oh man, this baby's so much work when she's pregnant. And then when, when the baby comes out, it's like, no, now they're more work. It's like, man, this yeah. newborn is the most work of all. And then they can walk and they're a hundred times more work. So when your baby is immobile, it's great because, uh, you know, they can't run away and everybody's going to want to let hold your baby. Let them. Anybody who wants to hold your baby, as long as they're not like a scary looking guy at the bus stop, let them hold your baby. <laughs> let them help you take care of it because they want, only want to help you take care of them at the fun, uh, you know, cute stages. They're not going to want to take care of that two-year-old with a poopy diaper. So enjoy it while you can. Take advantage of all the free babysitting from friends and family members. Exactly. I think one piece of advice I would give, I would echo the sentiment about staying off the internet for sure. One of the pieces of advice I love to give new dads that I got and was very helpful to me is you can read as much as you want before they come and just be prepared to throw all of it out the window because it won't apply. And you got to roll with the punches. I tell people you got to roll with the punches. You got to be flexible and you need to just listen to your baby. Just let them tell you what they want or what they need. Don't try and uh, project something that you're hearing or reading onto them. Just let them tell you what's what's going on. And, and I think if you are flexible, you roll with it, then you're going to be fine. It's going to be a piece of cake. Oh, and here's, here's an important one. You're going to ask yourself a million times, is that normal? The answer is yes. Whatever it is, yes. You do not have a uniquely terrible baby. There's no disaster some other parent hasn't had before. Whatever's happening, yes, it's happened before. It's fine. You'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yes, absolutely. And I did I did another Ask the Dads that Michael actually sent in as a follow-up to that. And I wanted to, to mention, because I think you would be a good person to help answer this, is... Do, 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 do. I'm going to try and summarize some of it. So, oh, here we go. No, so he talked about being a stepdad, but he said his wife, he and his wife are expecting their first biological kid together in a couple months. Uh, his wife has a daughter, which he references a stepkid from a previous relationship who's turned seven. Uh, the daughter is super excited about getting a baby sister, loves to help out when we ask her to help. So she's looking forward to being able to help with the baby when the baby gets there. But there's something that Michael just noticed that he said they took the daughter to an appointment the other day to see an ultrasound and she was getting very jealous for attention. She was the same way at the baby shower, even though they had her help open presents so she felt included. She was excited at both events, but Michael could tell she was getting jealous and not getting both of our full attention. Any tips on how to deal with something like this? We don't want her to end up resenting her sibling, but with a new baby here, we can't both be giving her all of our full attention all the time since one of us will have to be tending to the baby. Thanks in advance. Well, I don't think there's any way to dodge the resentment. That goes though the whole argument about <laughs> going from one to two. I mean, the bottom line is she's going to be sharing attention for the rest of her life. And it's, it's a rude right. awakening. Cause that is, I think only children do enjoy that, that having that all that attention themselves. So, I mean, make her feel valued, play with her. Don't forget about her. Don't make it all the baby all the time. But at the same time, she's got to understand she's part of the team and uh, might as well get used to that first disappointment early. Cause it, she'll get right. over it. I mean, siblings, they don't, they don't hate each other forever there's there's the awkward adjustment period and then they can't imagine living without each other every everybody goes through it every family with at least two kids had an only child at one point who became one of two and they and they all made it through right one one piece of advice that we got that was really helpful when my son was about to be born last year was to not right away because you're dealing with the baby but a little bit into it have some special time you don't have to carve it special, but just have some time set aside where you can focus entirely on the older kid and then also show that it goes the same way. You're focusing 100% on the baby. And then one thing also that went along with that is if your older child is trying to get your attention, but you're dealing with the baby, say, I would love to be with you or I'd love to help you out, but just wait one moment. I need to deal with the baby. The baby needs me. 
And alternatively, if you're focused on the older kid and the baby, now, as long as the baby's not in danger, but they're just crying because they're a baby and they woke up or whatever and they're, you know, in a swing or they're contained, then you can verbally say, even though the baby may not understand you, you can say, hold on a second, I'm with your older sister. When I'm finished with her, I'll come over and help. And and that way the, the messaging is given that both are important, but sometimes different priorities take take importance first. And then, but that, like you said, to your point, you're both sharing attention, but you got to manage that. And you're, we're all part of a team now. So, yeah. And, and you know that those feelings are going to be, there. they're going to be teenagers someday complaining about the different levels of attention, whether they want attention or whether they don't want any attention, whatever it is, it'll never be the right level of attention. You think on some level, you just need to accept that your kids will never be fully satisfied. And the person they blame for that is you. So just right. buckle in. It's going to happen. Unless you are a bare minimum parent, in which case you should be, uh, you should be good. Yes, so. exactly. And you are fully covered. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, now we're coming to the America's favorite segment, Dad Jokes of the Week. You are in luck. We have a real amateur comedian. Right. <laughs> or I'm trying, like, I'm trying to use the moniker you gave yourself. But uh, this segment is where we take dad jokes and give them to you. That's about as explanatory as they need to be. So, right. James, do you have any dad jokes readily available? I do not have any dad jokes readily available. My life is a living dad joke, but no, I don't I don't have a comedy routine to spiel off. That is perfectly fine. I am going to I've got a couple pulled up here that I'll rattle off. Here we go. All right, uh, uh James, what happened to the guy? Oh, oh, I should preface. These are Halloween themed because we're recording this right before Halloween. So, those are the gotcha. ones I have on tap. But uh what happened to the guy who couldn't keep up payments to his exorcist? Uh, what happened to him? He was repossessed. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell this joke. It may be a little PG-13, but Uh-oh. that's okay. Our whole, our whole podcast is PG-13, so I think we're okay. Uh, James, why can't male ghosts have babies? Why can't? Okay, you tell me why. I have no idea. <laughs> because they have hollow weenies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I'm going to end it on that one. I'm going to end it on a high note. Hollow weenies. There, there we go. go. <laughs> All right. And before uh, we close out the show with the hashtag roundup, I do want to say uh, to James, thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to, so we're going to put your books in the show notes for people who want to purchase them. We already talked about that, but if people want to keep up with you, I know we mentioned earlier, but where, what is the best way for them to keep up with all the shenanigans and living dad jokes that you post every day? Uh, a great starting point is explodingunicorn.com. I've got all my social media websites listed off to there, and you can find me on various platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. If you search for James Breakwell or Exploding Unicorn, uh, Twitter is the only one where Exploding Unicorn doesn't have an X. Every place else, or it doesn't have an E. Every place else, it usually has an E. And uh, I post a lot of stuff on there i also have two uh two uh podcasts that nobody listens to but we have a lot of fun making them you know the uh one of them is called wrong and wronger where i argue with my co-host over things like you know is a hot dog a sandwich just totally pointless debates that we have entirely too much fun getting way too into and then the other one is 10 minutes to save your marriage where we take 10 minutes to solve just any relationship crisis that you have and maybe we'll make it better maybe we'll make it worse i don't know but it's uh, it's on all the <laughs> on all the uh the podcast platforms if you want to check those out up our up our listeners from eight to nine to be It'll be a good time. Very nice. We'll put those in the show notes as well. So there you go. 
And uh, all right. So that is been the show. And we're going to end it with the hashtag roundup. So what that is for James and everybody that's listening that may not know, I take stuff that was said throughout the episode. I create hashtags out of it. I narrow it down to the top three and I let the guest decide what the hashtag of the episode is. So, James, today's contenders are hashtag just keep scrolling. Hashtag stop at the butt. Or hashtag bare minimum parenting. I had to put that in there. So where stop at the butt? Where did that one go? Oh, you said, oh, oh. You said if someone sends you <laughs> someone sends you a message, you stop at the butt. If they start oh. with a compliment, they put a butt. Stop at the butt. One That's, T. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I did. I definitely did see that. I didn't. I did not put that together. <laughs> uh, I like. I like just keep scrolling. That is that is a good life motto to live by. There we go. That is the hashtag for the week. So James, thanks again for coming on, and we hope you come back again soon. Good luck on the book. And uh, in continuing to be a dad, uh, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. No problem. So, all right. So for you listeners, until next time, hashtag just keep scrolling and hashtag be a better dad. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L now.com. dot